0: Hello and welcome back to episode 19 of the Double Cross Podcast. I am DJ Cadden and I'm joined by Ryan Haley. Ryan, our champion in March Madness is still alive.
1: I, How are we feeling? Miami beating Texas won me a $500 bracket pool. <laughs> so I am ecstatic about what happened this weekend. I, was, I, I am in first in like a 59-person bracket pool, $10 entry fee. And... The guy in second had Texas going to the final and losing. And the guy in like fifth had Texas winning the whole thing. So if Texas had beat Miami, it would have come down to UConn, Texas. And if UConn won, I won. And then Texas, it would have been between the two of them, depending on what happened. But Miami made that not happen. So I feel pretty good. I I still don't think I had a good weekend as you did, Deej.
0: Why is that? Why is that?
1: Well, I mean, for starters, what are we doing here? We're talking about the WDC match play, and who won that, my friend?
0: My guy, Sam Burns. Indeed, indeed.
1: Went what, absolutely is that? what is that number? Six?
0: Five. Don't five? get ahead of yourself. <laughs> Don't get ahead of six. yourself. Six is coming in two weeks. Uh, oh, whoa.
1: No, 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 no. That, that's a joke. That's a joke. That, is, that, is, that is legally binding. You heard it here that's first, folks. DJ Cadden is saying <laughs> Sam Burns will win the Masters. <laughs>
0: Sam Burns will not win the 2023 Masters.
1: Wow. Complete heel turn. E2, Brute. Just stab him in the back. I have to. I want to be right. That's true. <laughs> That's very fair. God, loyalty only goes so far. <laughs> but yeah, uh Sam Burns um obliterating Cam Young in the championship match, winning six and five, I believe, was the final margin. Um we talked about this a second ago on air, like just off air before we uh, started getting into it. Um, Cam Young was one up through three, and then Sam Burns birdied eight of his next nine holes. And that's just kind of hard to do anything about. Um, but the, I want to give you the floor. Your boy won. You had a very good weekend getting to watch him run through seven rounds, never losing once. Um did it feel like this kind of came out of nowhere for Sam? Because I I know he played well at in Brook last week, but he's two-time defending champion, very clearly loves that course. This felt like it kind of came out of nowhere, especially considering who he had to get through to get here, beating Cam Young and Scotty Scheffler in the semifinals.
0: Yeah, it did kind of feel out of nowhere. He's, he hasn't been – I mean, he hasn't been horrible this year, but he's he hasn't been
1: – Sam Burns you know, is a high standard, though.
0: Yeah usually at this point we're talking about burns with a win you at know, the Valspar co- typically <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple uh you know like high finishes contending at some events this year he I mean he had he hasn't really contended much he has a T7 at CJ Cup in in South Carolina six at the Valspar and then a T6 at the the Phoenix Open but has a, a couple miscuts um has struggled in some events I mean he finished Thirty second in the in the toc, um, which
1: yeah. I mean, is pretty much dead. Thirty second toc field. is
0: is not good.
1: Yeah, at century is just not great. It, it sounds decent, but it's not.
0: Yeah, I mean he had he had three top tens. One at the Valspar, Bar, which that's he he plays well there every year. It's almost expected at this point. Uh, the Waste Management Open was impressive, and then the CJ Cup is the CJ Cup, but. Yeah, I mean, taking down Cam Young and Scotty Stafford, especially in the in the fashion he took down Cam Young in the championship match, was yeah, that super, wasn't, super impressive. That wasn't
1: a takedown. That was a
0: massacre. Yeah, six and five. That's just, I mean, it, that's as, almost as bad as it gets. So, there's only been, I mean, there's not many defeats that bad in, in, in at the Dale match play. Mm-hmm.
1: And, again, we talked about this. It kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere. Um, PGA Tour strokes gain data does not take into account uh, the match play for obvious reasons, and neither does data. data. golf kept track of it, but it does not factor into a player's year long because, you know, guys are conceding putts. They're playing holes with different mindsets. It's kind of wonky. I wouldn't include it either. Um, but if you look at camp, uh, Sam Burns' previous starts of the year, it's not hard to see where he's, like, losing strokes. He's – uh, he's – uh, 34th in strokes gained off the tee. He's gaining a tenth of a stroke around the greens. He's a top 10 putter like he usually is, but he is 174th in strokes gained approach. His iron play has been abysmal so far to start the year. Um, And I think this week, based on the championship match and a lot of other things that Sam did, um, I don't want to downplay the irons because I think the irons did get a lot better and he's kind of turning a quarter a little bit after Ennisbrook in this past week. But I think he also just putted well enough that it didn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah, he was putting out of his mind. God, he just caught fire at the exact right time. We talked about this. Um, in The championship he match. Six
0: and a half strokes putting this week.
1: That is because it's seven rounds. It's not as ridiculous as an ultimate. but it's still like almost like more than yeah. three quarters of a stroke around. For um,
0: reference, the, the other three semifinalists, Cam Young, Rory McIlroy, and Scotty Scheffler, two of which happen to be top three in the world
1: right now. Top two? Gained, update. Yeah, they were. T- yeah. Rory was 30, Leapfrog, Rum, which is nuts.
0: Cam Young gained 3.1, Rory gained three, and Scotty gained two putting. And Sam gained six and a half. Yeah, twice as much as second. Cam Young um, did gain 17.8 strokes total.
1: Yes, yeah, it is. Uh, Cam Young, I do want to say uh, Data Golf mentioned this in their stro- in their strokes gained accumulation throughout the week. Uh, they, I think they started mentioning it in the quarterfinals that strokes gained is against field averages. And so when you get to such a small sample size, like 16, 8, 4, it gets a little wonky. Like they tweeted, I think the best example they had is like Kirk Kiriyama shot 67 on yeah. his own ball in his quarter. And when he lost to Cam Young and lost like a third of a stroke to the field. But like 67 is a great round. It's just everybody's <laughs> playing great when you get this late. So it is a little wonky, I think, but I think more than anything, it shows how well those guys played in pool play. And Cam Young's irons were just nuts. I mean, he—I think he opened with like nine straight three. I think he had like nine threes for a twenty-seven on his first night. Um. Oh, man, yeah, that, that was, was an was absurd. That was an week. absurd nine. But to to circle back to the guy that I want to give you a little more time to talk about, uh, we talked about Sam Burns' putter uh he was three up through nine kind of bullied his way around the front nine uh took advantage of some loose shots from cam um and then the putter just put the pedal down on 10 and 11 um 10 has about a 50 cam hits it over the green uh chips it decently closer to a par putt. sam is like an 18 footer for birdie and just like throats it never a doubt um And then on 11, I think this was really the gut punch that I think mentally lost Cam Young the match. Um, Sam on the short par three, 11th, four up, throws it about 25, 28 feet past the flag. Cam Young gives himself like a 12-footer for birdie. And I'm sure in Cam Young's mind, he's like, all right, I can scratch this down to three. I have a a par five coming up next. I'm longer than Sam. Like, let's see if I can get this to two down with five to play. And Sam just buries the 30-footer. and Based on the way that he played the rest of the way, Um I mean, Cam Young, it all, it all started moving very quickly for him after that. He made the birdie putt to have the hole, but on 12, it's a not great drive over towards the bunker on the right side. Um Obviously being four down with uh, seven to play, forces himself to go for it, hits it in the water, um, which makes him five down. And then on the next tee, the drivable par 413th has to go for the green. Into the wind, can't get a driver there, and everything just starts moving a little quickly. But I think that birdie putt that Sam made on 11 that made that like didn't let Cam gain another stroke. Because, like, in Cam's mind, there's two par fives and a drivable par three, and he's a longer, he's longer than Sam. So I think three down was manageable. And I am completely psychoanalyzing, I have no idea what's going on in Cam Young's head, but I think three, I think he thought three down was manageable. And if he could make that putt, three down is something he can come back from with three birdie holes upcoming. And that birdie putt, just like, like every, you, you felt that he, like he knew we had to force it and like fair, you're four down with six holes to play, seven holes to play. Like you do have to force it. And I completely respect going for the green, the way he did on 12, because the only way that you are going to win that golf tournament at that point, which is all that matters is you're going to have to hit a shot. And he tried to hit a shot and he he couldn't because it was a really hard shot to hit. Um, but to transition away from Sam a little bit, I think Cam's approach stats um, for the week highlight, kind of tie into the next point I want to make, which is about Cam Young. Uh, you mentioned how great his strokes were stats were for the week um, through pool play and through like for, through the three rounds of pool play and through the round of 16 and the quarterfinals. He was the best player in the field. Rory was a close second. We'll get to Rory in a little bit. I promise you we're going to get to Rory. I am on this podcast. Um, but it sucks. So uh, PGA Tour comms tweeted after the round. Uh, the tweet: um, Why am I citing their tweet? This is just objective fact. But still, PGA Tour comms tweeted after the round that this was Cam Young's sixth runner-up finish in 37 PGA Tour starts. That is about 16.2%. For reference, Rory McElroy wins ten point two percent of his tournaments. Cam Young finishes second, like a third more than Rory wins. That's... And I know, like, it's such a different sample size, and it's not really a fair comparison. But like, holy crap! Um, and it's a that's a, two ways you have to look at it. It's like six top twos and thirty seven starts. Um and another third-place finish at a major at the PGA last year is insane. But now we're starting to teeter towards, like, Finau territory of, like, cool, we know you're good. Like, we know you are this good. Um, And I don't think he's here, and I've been a Finau defender over the years. I think Tony Finau. Gets a bad rap, I think, in golf. We've talked about this extensively in the podcast. I think we tend to punish guys who have higher floors because they tend to compete with less than their perfect game and they tend to be visible, which makes us think they're not closing. When certain guys, I hate throwing them under the bus, um, but it still feels like the most apt example in modern golf, like Colin Morikawa. Morikawa mm-hmm. is like the ultimate heater. Right now and on the PGA tour. And he like he can be kind of invisible for like two or three months at a time. But when he pops up in a tournament, he typically wins. And Max Holm has been the same way for a lot of his career. Um, and I think that guys like Cam Young and Tony Fee now contend more often because they have higher floors, or at least historically have had higher floors. Max Holm was a different player than he was, but historically have had higher floors, and I think that gets held against them. But I just think it sucks that a guy like Cam Young, who has come so close so often, was the best player through five rounds. Like, not even four, five rounds. In the only tournament that demands that you play seven. That just feels so symbolic for, like, how tough it's been to, like, get this breakthrough of victory.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, you you mentioned it's kind of similar to Tony Finau. Both, you know, contend a lot. Have these super high floors, have contended in majors already. It feels like when Cam Young gets that first win, it's just gonna open the floodgates like it did for Finau when he won uh back to back after his first one. It just feels like it, obviously we don't expect Cam Young to keep contending or finishing runner up or, or winning in sixteen percent of his PGA tour stars because that's who just... knows?
1: He might be just the second best golfer <laughs> of all time. <laughs> like we can't rule yeah. that out. but yeah anyway continue it has
0: to be unsustainable yeah it just feels like when it does finally happen though it's gonna be a floodgate and it wouldn't surprise me if when he breaks through it's at a big event a major a designated event something like that because cam young is that good of a golfer he's number 14 in the world right now and hasn't won
1: yeah, I I think his game is built for those harder core like harder tests. Um, I think I think really the comp is Zalatoris in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. right now I think those two are in really similar places, and Will obviously broke through last year, but we've talked a lot with Zalatoris being someone that we both enjoy pulling for. Um, as I feel like we've come to understand consensusly in golf at least like golf nerddom that you need there's an element of like youth that really helps you in golf because it's so mental and like that naivety of like not thinking that anything can go wrong and we see this with like rory wins four majors turns 25 and stops Speeth wins three majors turns 25 and stops kepko wins four in two years and then shows like he can bleed like morikawa wins two in his first like six and hasn't won one since like there's an element of like not realizing that you're mortal almost that it really sucks to me for guys like Cam Young and Zalatoris because a lot of these are just like bad breaks like it's like one 25 footer that like bumped a little differently than another one over the course of a week or like one ball sitting down in the rough a little more than someone else's and it sucks when you get to see yourself bleed before you can kind of have like when you have the same talent maybe not the same talent as all of these top five players in the world, but like within the same realm, like not out of the question that they can beat them. And it always sucks for me when guys like Zalatoris and Cam Young have to see themselves bleed before they can go in that little like naive run of like, ah, I can win everything I look at and then realizing how hard golf is. Um, Cause a lot of guys get to have that run too. Well, a lot of guys compared to like, uh, we talk about like five guys that have done this. So like a lot relatively, yeah. but that's the thing that sucks for me. And I really hope that he can kind of follow what seems to be Zalotoris's example so far of like not letting these close calls make you feel like you are missing something. It Unless you think like... he is. Do you want you want to go on a little hot take tangent? I don't I don't really think Cam Young is doing much <laughs> wrong. Uh he just looked gassed in that final match. He just looked really tired and had to push it.
0: No, I have nothing bad to say about Cam Young. I mean he he's gonna win soon. He's shown he can contend in two especially weeks, especially in big events.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> was about to look up the odds. Oh, uh, they're probably gonna be lower than they were. <laughs> um, I was gonna text you on uh, Sunday. We're recording this on Tuesday night. I was gonna text you on Sunday. Night. I think Rory was like nine fifty, uh, at the start of the week, and he's like seven hundred now, and like going down.
0: Vegas Insider has him at seven fifty.
1: Yeah. And yeah, so. Cam, Cam
0: Young, twenty five hundred.
1: Yeah, that sounds about where I would expect. Um, yeah, un- unfortunately, <laughs> that's unfortunately, that's the a pod- public is.
0: That's a podcast,
1: that's a podcast, a podcast for, next for next week. week. That is a bit mega podcast for next week. Yes, it uh, is. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but it's all we're thinking about, like love and respect to the Valero Texas Open. It's like Augusta is on our minds. <clears throat> um, also,
0: Ricky Fowler has listed odds, and he is not in the field
1: yet yet uh ricky would need to win the valero texas open this week to get into the masters so for all you optimists out there that's what it would take but um yeah uh, dj i want to ask you about uh cam young's new caddy who is a pretty familiar face on tour for a lot of people paul tessori uh longtime caddy for webb simpson uh Players champion 2018, U.S. Open champion in 2011. Uh, pretty consistent top 10 player in the world. Uh, two or three years ago, he was like one of the top, like one of the premier players, like probably from like the fairway in was the best player on tour in like 2018 through 2020. I was like, if you take out the fact that he was 20 yards shorter than everybody else, like irons, wedges, chipping, putting, best on tour. Um. And Cam and Paul announced after the Valero or after Bousspar, sorry, uh, that they were splitting up and that Paul would be taking Cam Young's bag. Um, I made the comparison earlier in the week that I think it gives me whiffs of Ted Scott picking up Scotty Scheffler's bag of like a guy that has world beating talent, getting a guy that can help save him two strokes around um, or two strokes a week, two strokes around me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, two strokes a week. And that can be the difference between six runner ups and six wins or three or four wins. Um, but I wanted to ask how you felt about that. And if you feel like that could offer a similar effect or am I grasping at a straw a little bit?
0: No, I think you're completely right. I mean, he went six and one his first week with, with Tesori on the bag and, and, and almost one. Um, the match play event went undefeated. That would have been obviously ideal, but went six and one played unreal uh approaching the green um yeah i mean you mentioned ted scott and scotty chef or you know what event they won last year it's yeah are, are, you,
1: are you are you calling your second master's pick of the pot it's been like 25 I'm not, minutes Deej. i'm not i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i'm
0: just i'm just mentioning no, it
1: but I, but i think we saw the biggest example of that um and his win over Rory in the semifinals. He was two down with uh, three to play. Uh Birdie's sixteen, Birdie's eighteen to square the match, and then on, on the playoff, and we'll get into Rory's side of this when we get to Rory in a little bit. But um like on the twelfth on the twelfth hole, the first playoff hole, they both hit it over near the bunker. Rory gets a much better break sitting just outside of the bunker in the rough sitting up has a clear shot of the green and Cam Young is just stymied like right up against the lip has no shot, but to pitch out to the fairway and Rory flips it up near the green. And next thing. And like, it looks like it's almost over. Like Rory has a 30 yard pitch. It was a hard 30 yard pitch. um, Out of all the shots in the last four holes that Rory played when he was like not closing out Cam Young, the pitch is not the shot I'm upset about. Um, or at the shot that I would be upset about. Uh, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, but Rory hits like a sensible pitch to like 15, 20 feet. Cam Young from the fairway hits an iron to like 12 feet. Just snipes it. And they're both about 12 feet from the hole, and Cam Young buries the birdie putt. Next thing you know, you're sitting there with like, like – like Rory was 150 yards closer. And next thing you know, he has to make a 15-footer to extend the match. And like that's got to be a little shell shock. Ferrari, like, oh, God, this putt, like, really matters now. And he, he misses it. He hits it a little hard. Um, And you, the PGA Tour posted a clip of Paul DeSori talking to Cam after they won that hole. And, and like, this is what really stood out to me. And when this take, like, cemented in my brain, it was, like, Paul DeSori looking at him being, like, that's the difference. He's, like, if we had rushed that shot from the fairway, we would have lost. We would have made a mistake. We would have done something wrong. But we talked it out. We thought it through. And we made the birdie. And it was, like, as simple as that. And just the Cam just, like, nodding. And they get in the cart and go on to the final. And, like, those are the things. Like, that sounds so little. But over the course of 72 holes, that's, like, especially in stroke play, that's the difference between second and first.
0: Yeah. I so, literally um, had the video pulled up about to talk about it. Yep. Stole yeah, it from I you. Mean, I it, gave you the floor yeah. first. <laughs> yeah. It's good. it's good to see. I think it this is. pairing is really going to – Kim is going to get a win soon. Yes, it's it's probably multiple, inevitable.
1: I probably multiple, and I do. I'm glad Tissori getting credit for being one of the top four or five caddies in the game, because um, that's really what he's been for a very long time. Um, all right, we talk Kim Young. Talk. Uh, do you want to do Scotty or Rory first? The consolation match. I'll pitch it over to you.
0: Let's start with Scotty. Because okay. I feel like we could talk for
1: hours about Rory. We're going to talk for hours about Rory. It's it's, a, it's me in March. Um. Also, also before we get to that,
0: I do want to shout out my bracket for the the match play. Finished yeah. Twenty seven hundred ish. Yeah. Look at DJ somehow, I and I, I I had a whopping. I didn't get the championship. I didn't have either of the guys in the championship match right, but you had
1: Scotty, which went a long way.
0: Yes. And I had I had so my final four was Rory in the constellation, Scotty and Rom in the championship, and then Max Holman in the third place match. Okay. So I got Rory and then I had a couple upsets in the like the group stage, but mm-hmm. twenty seven hundred, I'll take it.
1: Yeah. The only thing I really got right was fading Rom. Um and he's he's the last guy that I want to talk about before we transition away from the match play. But so Scotty, Rory, Rom. But um yeah, I, uh, I picked Tyrell Hatton to win. Felt really good about it. He'd been playing some incredible golf. And then uh, Wednesday morning, gives himself like a stinger in his wrist right before he tees off. Looks uncomfortable the entire week and just ejects from group stage. So, the Ryan curse lives on. Uh, Tyrell Hatton, if you somehow ever see or like listen to this, I am so unbelievably sorry. I am never going to pick you again, I promise. Uh, I'll, I'll like full hand up on that one. That's on me. Um, but yeah, um, we started the podcast before the match play saying we didn't know if Scotty Scheffler was going to lose, and I still am not 100% convinced that he did. Um, yeah. That semifinal match against Sam Burns, he was two up with four to play, or one up with four to play, played the last four holes two under and lost. Yeah, I mean, there's just nothing that you can do. That sucks. That really sucks. Um... And I don't even, like, I'm not really giving a lot. I, I am maybe giving a slight factor to, like, Rory's confidence beating Scotty in the consolation match and, like, having a putt to win and making it. But, like, I am not taking a lot away from that match. Um, so I really, like, I feel like Scotty just kind of got beat by uh, Sam Burns getting having the right putting day at the right time um, more than anything else. So uh, Kyle Porter tweeted t- uh, earlier today, that uh, from January until the first round of the Masters last year, Scotty Scheffler was gaining 2.5 strokes around tee to green. Uh, from this January through the match play, he's gaining three. So Scotty Scheffler, ball striking wise, is half a stroke around better than he was last year when he won the Masters by three with a four putt in the final green for his fourth win of the year. Like he's playing Great. better golf. Great, Great, right? Yeah. Great, cool. Um, and he's also a perfect fit for Augusta. Um, I said it after the players. Um, I feel like whoever wins the Green Jacket is going to have to beat Scotty to do it. And yeah, I think he just made that job a little harder. Um, and I had I had like non golf friends of mine like watching the match play. And texting me about Scotty and just how opportunistic he was. I think in the semifinal, Sam Burns won 16 and 17 to go one up, and an incredible uh, T shot on 17 to like a foot to go one up. um, And then made par on the 18th hole after he hit his pitch. Like it's like a drivable par four, barely he misses short of the green, chips it up, runs it like slightly past, like runs it over the edge, the birdie putt for the win. And Scotty just like rolls in his six footer for birdie to extend the match. I had a friend of mine who watches like six golf tournaments a year text me and it's like, Scotty is just impossible. It's like this guy just like, like just goes around. It, it feels like moderately Kepka-esque of like, I'm going to play my golf and I know you are going to make a mistake before I do. Yeah. Um. And I feel like he's just really honed in on it and his game is really set up well for Augusta. So. cool boy. <laughs> Here comes Scotty. Um, I feel like there's only positive things to say about him, so I don't really know what else there is to add unless you have anything else. I mean, else. It, I, I don't think he
0: lost the match. I mean, Sam Burns mm-hmm. won the match, but I don't think he Scotty Scheffler yeah. lost the match.
1: I think he got beat. He didn't lose, and that happens sometimes, especially in match play. Um, You know what? Uh, Scotty Scheffler in the semifinals shot 65 on his own ball. Sam Burns shot 67. Nuances of match play, I know it yeah. doesn't like it's not quite one to one, but like Scotty outplayed Sam in that match by two strokes according to stroke play and lost. Yeah. So I wouldn't really feel too upset if I'm Scotty Scheffler. I'd be like, all right, I shot 65 my own ball. Dude Birdie before the last six to beat me. Fine. Oops. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna wear my green jacket to sleep tonight and then fly to Augusta.
0: I'm gonna wear um, my green
1: jacket to sleep and just bask in the fact I'm number one in the you, world right now. Can I ask you a question? If you want a green jacket, like hypothetical universe, DJ Cadden's like top 10 golfer in the world. If you want a green jacket, would you like sleep in it like three the next 364 nights? Oh yeah. I would wear it. <laughs> I everywhere. would never take it off. It's I like remember shocking. the story
0: uh I remember the story of
1: uh like go for Bubba Watson the thing.
0: wearing the driving the uh, Dukes of Hazard car through Krispy cream wearing the green jacket.
1: Or uh, I still think the coolest story I've I remember about it is Hideki, like in the Atlanta airport the next morning with <laughs> yeah. the green jacket like over Just his over shoulder. his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> God, Hideki Hideki's awesome. Um, he withdrew with a neck injury after uh, before his third match of pool play. Didn't have a way to advance. I really hope Hideki's okay going into Augusta. It hasn't been in the best form this year, but I really hope Hideki's like meant like physically fine game is better sense. with him. Um. All right. Rory time. Um. Only took us 35 minutes. That might be a record. Um. Rory, uh, had been teased on social media. That he was making major equipment changes. Shows up this week, uh, with a shorter driver. Uh, made a little adjustment. Made the staff a little shorter. Sh- staff a little shorter, if I could speak English. Um. And changed his putter to a blade style, which I don't believe he's played a blade style putter since early 2019, late 2018. I know he made the shift at some point before like his run to start 2019. Um, so I think it was late 2018 is the last time he's played with a blade. And um, putter and driver looked good. They did not did. look super comfortable at TPC Sawgrass. Uh, putting especially was very bad. Uh, his putting that like, we talked extensively about this. I feel like I've been yelling it from the rooftops. His ball-striking stats are just as good as Scotty and Rob's right now, and he just can't buy a putt. Uh, and Justin Ray tweeted that in the seven rounds that Rory played this week, he gained strokes putting in five of them. Um especially like the later matches when there's only like eight guys on the course that are all playing their best. Rory is like still gaining strokes on them, but like, so putter was much improved, looked more confident with the driver, sounded like he had a good feel with the driver. He did a little walk along interview on the broadcast during the, usually the semifinal or the consolation match. I can't remember which one. Um, Rory said that he has a tendency to get the driver stuck behind him. And either try and flip it or leave it outright, uh, and said that the shorter staff or uh, shaft made it feel like he didn't get to do that. Um, however, all sunshine and rainbows. I don't want to be all sunshine and rainbows. He was two up with three to play in the semifinals and did not win. Um, mm-hmm. and really going stroke by stroke, I'm obviously wearing rose colored glasses every time I talk about Rory, but. Going stroke by stroke over those last four holes. I think he only really made one mistake, which sucks. I think Cam Young played great golf. He birdied 16 and 18, went two under the last three, forced Rory's hand a little bit. Those are not hard holes. Um, 18, drivable. Uh, Rory thumped his driver up there, left it a little right, and got a really, really bad break um, for his lie in the second one. Um I mean, if you're going to tell me that Rory shouldn't have hit it right off the tee or should have made sure that he got it up onto the upper level with his second shot, uh, which the pin was in the back on a little shelf, uh, rolled back down about 30 feet away, couldn't make the birdie putt. Cam Young makes his to force extra holes, wins on the extra hole. Um, if you're going to tell me you think he should have absolutely made sure the second shot was on the back shelf or he should have not hit his driver over by the bunkers, totally here for that. I think the big mistake on 16, par 5, 2-up, Cam Young hit the green in two. Rory has a wedge in for his third, maybe a short iron. I can't remember the exact yardage. Uh, and he airmails the flag and misses the green. And he was still putting off the fringe, but he left himself like a 25-foot birdie putt and just made Cam Young's life really easy, just nestling in for poor, like uh, for a four. Only one down with two to play now. Very different game. Um. So, yeah, I think that was the real shot. Like, I think the tee shot on 18, the second shot on 18 – Um, small margin for error short par 4s always going to have a tough green complex is like kind of a bit of defense drew drew a bad lie um but i think the the wedge shot on 16 the approach in the 16 was really the shot that i think cost him that match um and i don't want to sit here and be all sunshine and rainbows going into augusta uh and ignore the fact that he choked a really good chance to win a golf tournament um but at the same point him and Scotty both i think Scotty maybe slightly more so, um, just because Scotty feels like unflappable all the time. But him and Scotty both, them losing those semifinal matches means nothing to me going into Augusta. Like, I don't hold it against them in any way, shape, or form. But I don't want to go on like a five-minute rant about like golf digest, like reporting that Rory might have allegedly had 19 putts in a round at Augusta last week, or like talk about how he hit a driver to three feet on 18 on Thursday. And, like, talk about how, like, in groove his swing looks and how good the putter looks and not acknowledge, like, yo, he probably should have at least been to the final of this tournament. Yeah, Um But, yeah, any thoughts on Rory that I haven't already touched upon after my little soapbox?
0: Not really. I mean, equipment change, playing even better two weeks out from Augusta. I, I feel, think I know who I I'm a- picking up. A- with the Masters.
1: We both picked him in January. Um I feel rationally good about that. And I know that it has been a fool's error Of the last decade, but I think that this is the first time I think 2018, 2019, it felt like Rory was playing good golf, but he peaked like in March. And we were hoping he could like sustain that into Augusta and he just kind of couldn't kind of couldn't. Um and now it feels like he is legitimately like peaking for that week. Um However, it still depends on Rory's ability to comp- compartmentalize what um, I think Roberto Castro said that Rory at the Masters and a, like a really cool thread this week. Check out his Twitter if you haven't. Um, But Roberto Castro said like outside of Tiger at like every tournament, Rory at the Masters is probably under more pressure than like anyone's ever been in in golf history in terms of like the like constant social media atmosphere we're in, constant golf punditry and how like accessible it is. Um, how much more player media is available how much more visible the tournament is um and just how much like that specific tournament means to the entire world and the fact that it is the first one of the year um is like Rory is the best player of the generation and probably the best person best suited maybe not like at this current moment, number one in the rankings, but like out of the players of this generation is probably the player best suited to handle this pressure, but it's still in an inordinate amount. And we'll get more into this next week. This is basically turning into a master's pod uh, preview pod, but we'll get there. We'll get there next week, next week. Um But yeah, I think it's really going to come down to his ability to compartmentalize that and how, like how well he gets out of the gates than it is going to come down to whether or not he's playing well.
0: Just get us past Thursday. Just shoot in the 60s on Thursday. 69. That's all we need.
1: Yeah. Just just take the course and let it come to you. Birdie the birdie holes, par the par holes. Don't be afraid of it. Don't gun after it. We'll get we'll 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 talk Rory extensively. Um next week, I am sure. Uh last guy that I want to talk about before we uh move off the match play. Um Four weeks ago on this podcast, I believe, uh, I asked you if you thought we were in a John Rahm versus the field situation at Augusta. He is now down to third in the world. Um, he had the 18-hole lead at Bay Hill and then like finished in like the mid-40s, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, shot an opening round 71 at TPC and then withdrew with an illness and then went one and two this week in match play and did not make it out of the group stage. On a scale of one to ten, Deej, what's your concern level for John Rahm going into Augusta?
0: Maybe a one or two.
1: <laughs> okay. It's well, DJ will be the voice. DJ will be the voice of sanity on this podcast. I will not.
0: It, it's John Rahm. I, I mean, he's at worst, at absolute worst, the third golf, third best golfer in the world right now still. Um, a couple of bad weeks, yeah, but it, it it's John Rom. We've seen him before. His down year last year was what three wins. I, I'm gonna <laughs> take John Rom <Rahm> over <laughs> over almost everybody in golf. I'm not worried about him at all, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if two weeks from now we're talking about John Rom putting on a green jacket. So if that tells yeah. you what my concern level is, is then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think the better question is like relative to John Rahm, what's your concern level? Because like relative to the typical PGA Tour player, or like to a top twenty player in the world, it's like permanently like max a two. Um but I think by his own standards, I'm a little more concerned than you probably are. Um, the driver was real bad for like a solid month and a half back there. Um And I didn't get a chance – I didn't fully dive into his stats in the match play, um, but he didn't do enough with it to look like it was a return to normalcy for me. Um, I think Augusta will let you get away with inaccuracy off the tee, and the rest of his game has been really, really good. Um, But it's still a little concerning to me. Like, it'd be different if you were finishing, like, 20th or like went two and one and lost in a playoff to get out of group stage but like he hasn't really sniffed it outside of the first round of TPC and that's entirely conjecture about what would have happened from there so yeah by John Rahm standards compared to like Rory and Scotty John Rahm is at like a like a four for me like we're at like DEFCON like four right now like I am unconcerned but monitoring the situation yeah that's fair um,
0: but then again, would it surprise you if he wins the Masters? No, in two weeks.
1: No, he could shoot 63 on Thursday, and I'd be like, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, 100." percent um, Let me just make sure I use the DEFCONs correctly. I'm pretty sure it goes de- like from five down, but I don't. I don't want someone listening to this call and be like, "DEFCON 4? No, okay, increased intelligence watch and strengthened security measures. Yeah, it feels pretty solid. Not like close to nuclear war, but. DJ, I know that we have a uh, – first of all, before I transition, do you have any closing notes on the next play, any other players you'd like to comment on?
0: Um, I don't think so. I, I mean, outside of those four, I don't really know if there's anybody else we need to hit on. Uh,
1: Jason Day made it out of group stage. Nearly took down Scotty in the quarterfinals. Yes,
0: true. Jason Day can win the freaking Masters.
1: I would be pretty shocked if he won Considering how long it's been since his last win But I feel like a top 10 is like almost free money Me too Jason Day's playing really, really, really good golf Incredible golf Incredible golf. Like he's probably been the third best player Fourth best player on tour so far this year Maybe fifth I'll get all home That's really, that's real recency bias Jeez uh-huh. Yeah, he's probably been the fifth best player on tour so far this year and I am glad that people are starting to realize it. Um, I put a little social media clip out there of our last podcast of us saying, "Grab any top ten odds you can find right now because they are going to plummet once they once they open on Jason Day." Um, but to look at his data golf uh, world rank right now, let me number eight. See, he's eight? Yeah, woo. Go, Scotty,
0: John, Rom, Rory, uh, Cantley, Finau, Xander, Homo, and Jason
1: Day. Sheesh. He's above guys like Victor Hovland, Cheryl Hatton, Colin Murakawa, Justin Thomas. That's another one. Uh Justin Thomas fell outside of the top ten in the world for the first time in like four years. Um I thought it was even
0: longer than that.
1: It two was, was two hundred and thirty-seven weeks. I'm doing like back of the napkin math, man. It's probably like four and a half. <laughs> um but yeah, okay. Jason Day starts uh this calendar year. T7, 5, T9, T10, T19, T5. You're nuts. Uh, But concern level for Justin Thomas right now.
0: That's tough. I'd say I'm hovering around maybe a 4 or 5. I mean, Justin Thomas is still – Justin Thomas is Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. He can win any tournament at any time indeed i don't know that one is that's a weird one
1: yeah i mean uh, i was gonna look this up because i am actually slightly less concerned than i was um i was like man jt was like invisible at the match play and then i googled it it's like justin thomas did not play the match play i'm like all right cool i guess that makes me feel like a little bit better about like hearing nothing about (laughs) jt all week because uh, I was concerned that he just, like, ejected him at, like, 0-2-1 in the group play, and I just didn't hear a thing about him. Um,
0: I mean, outside of the players, he's, I mean, outside of the players, he's decent, had one, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven top
1: 25s In in the other seven starts. I agree. Here's my other thing about that, though. Uh, one, one of those tournaments is Century, So, true, true. out. um, But every tournament outside of the players since, like, Tory, has been a top 25 finish. But the only one that's better than 10th was Phoenix, which he, like, backdoored a fourth with, like, a Sunday 64. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know if I'm concerned about... Like, T20s, I feel like it's a bit hypocritical from, like, my whole thing about, like, high floors that I went on, like, 10 minutes ago. um. But he's not, like, could, he's not doing anything, really. um. He's kind of just lying in wait a little bit, um. which, for what it's worth, his ball striking numbers are not very different at TPC. He just could not putt. Um, it, like, his irons have still been pretty solid. He's gained uh about eight-tenths of a stroke around over his last three tournaments. Um, his driver is his driver. It's inconsistent. It always has been. Uh, his accuracy is really come and go, and that's probably where a lot of. I know we say driver accuracy doesn't matter a whole lot in the modern game, when JT misses, JT misses, so it matters for JT. Um, I don't know. His putting, I think his I, putting
0: is horrendous this year.
1: His putting has been horrendous for like two or three. He has now. been. Outside of Riviera, where he just randomly putted incredibly. <laughs> um, which is weird because he also randomly hit his irons like crap. Um, but he has gained putting, he's gained strokes putting twice since the RBC Canadian Open last June. That's pitiful. It's not good. So it's gonna come down to the putter, it's gonna come down to, it, come down to the putter, it's gonna come down to how often he hits fairways, um, and if his driver is like on the planet. Um I don't know. I think I'm a little calmer now that I know he sca- he skipped the match play. Um, but I'm probably hovering around like a five. I feel I can't I can't say a four because I just said four for John Robb and I'm infinitely less concerned about John Robb. Um but I would probably say about a five. Um this is not this is conversations for next week. We're 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 going too deep in the weeds here. Um anyway. <laughs> Transition. I'm forcing us to transition because every other guy we're going to talk about is going to be through the lens of Augusta. Um, there is a PGA Tour tournament this week. The Valero Texas Open. Uh, Ricky Fowler, Matt Kuchar, some notable guys in the field that aren't in the Masters yet. However.
0: One one thing. Oh, Justin Thomas, you said it was the first time in four years he's dropped out of the top ten. Okay. First time four and in a half. six years. It's August of 2017. That's the first time he's been out of the top ten.
1: Oh, my God. That was six years ago. Oh dear. That makes me feel real weird. Two hundred
0: two hundred and ninety-three weeks in the top ten. Do
1: you know what? Uh I was uh trying to do the math or like earlier this past week of um like the ball rollback, which we're not gonna get into, but like ball rollback and like 2026 and like when that's gonna go into effect, and like we're already talking about the majors there. And I was like, Oh, I mean it'll only be oh 37. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so these guys are getting older and it feels very strange. Um but wow, twenty seventeen was a while ago. Okay. Uh anywho. Um there is a PJ tour event this week at Valero. Uh Ricky's in the field, uh, Matt Kuchar's in the field, a couple other notable guys that aren't into Augusta. However, we have Augusta on our brains, as we've acknowledged. And there is a tournament this week at Augusta, a very big one. Uh, one that we are both uh, pretty big fans of. The Augusta National Women's Amateur um will be played this week. Uh in and around uh Augusta National. Uh I believe they tee off on Wednesday. It's a 54 hole event. Uh they play a 36 they play 36 holes and the top 30 players and ties play the final round at Augusta. Um I'm going to blow through a couple quick names to keep an eye on based on all the content that I've heard and then talk about uh what we want to see, and a couple uh, major things that I think I I really want to carve out the time that we typically spend on like next week's PGA Tour event on this tournament because I think it's really, a it's the perfect lead up for Augusta, and B it's really risen in stature in the way that it deserves to, over the years. Um, top of any list, if you're going to talk about people you want to look for for the Augusta National Women's Amateur, uh, Rose Zhang, uh, Stanford, a sophomore, playing in her fourth Augusta National Women's Amateur. Uh, DJ, she is two years younger than us. Um, uh, She finished third in 2021 uh, T3 in 2021 Hasn't finished worse than 17th uh, Which she did last year with a fractured toe Um, She's won the U.S. Girls Junior The U.S. Women's Amateur The NCAA Championship And she has uh, So far this season uh, Won five of six events In a season where she took 21 credit hours in the fall Oh my god yeah, yep. Shout out to uh, at Stanford. Yeah, shout out to Brentley Romine's uh, reporting from Golf Channel that I'm currently reading through. Twenty one, the twenty one. Uh, yeah, a winter quarter. Uh, Stanford is a quarter system, but she had twenty one units on her schedule, which is the heaviest workload she'd ever had. Um, won five of six events, uh, which is nine total. Uh, Tiger Woods won eleven in three years at Stanford, I believe. Uh, she's won nine and two. Um. She's been the number one in the World Amateur Golf Rankings for 133 straight weeks, which is a record. And when she inevitably gets there in three weeks, she will break the all-time record uh, held by Leona Um Again, shout out Bradley Romine and his reporting and like uh, reporting from the to speak from uh, the U.S. National Women's Amateur. Uh, Rojong, when asked about her hot play, said, I haven't really thought about it as a super hot streak, and I continue to have that mindset. Um, that's a quote taken out of context. Rojong is a very humble person. It was not like arrogance. It was more so just that she said that because of her heavy workload, she's just been so invested in like the day-to-day grind of what she has to do to like get everything she needs done and also pay attention to the golf that, I don't know, man, I can't, I'm taking 12 credit hours right now in my last semester and I play golf like three times a week and I haven't broken 80 in a while and it's not fun. So to be able to play that well with 150% of that course load Rojong is
0: at one of the most prestigious schools
1: in on one of this current iteration of Stanford women's golf might be one of the best college athletics teams ever assembled. Um, uh, Rojong, uh, Rachel Heck's been absent a lot of this year, but she's another like top five women's am when she's healthy. Mega gone, gone. I, I'm, I'm. God, I, I went over how to pronounce that before we started recording, and I totally just mind farted. Um, but who like contended at a U.S. like women's open when she was 17 is now on that team. Um, like again, Rachel Heck is like a top three women's amateur in the world, and has been hurt for like much of the season and Stanford is just still a wagon. So maybe like for my money, is this is like the women's golf version of those Oklahoma State teams with like Matt Wolf and Victor Hopland. Yeah. Of just like the depth and probably even better than that because of the depth just top to bottom. Um so any list has to start and end with Roshong. Um
0: Ingrid Limblad, uh, she
1: has yes. to be up there. Ingrid Limblad, who just set LSU's uh, program record with her 11th win. Uh, she shot an opening round 75 and still managed to share medalist honors in her most recent tournament. Uh, finished runner-up last year with a uh, Sunday 68 and Augusta with two Eagles, or Saturday 68 with uh, Augusta with two Eagles, which rocks. Um, finished second to teenager Anna Davis, uh, who kind of got headlines for uh, her – Bucket hat and winning the winning at Augusta at like 16 years old. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, Anna Davis is probably playing better golf than she was coming into this tournament. Um, she
0: has shot up the ranking of the oh, the yeah, women's amateur golf rankings.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the confidence that you must get from winning, yeah, uh, the Augusta National Women's Amateur, but uh, won at Sage Valley a couple of weeks ago, won the junior Orange Bowl so far this year. Um, Probably playing better golf than she was a year ago when she won this tournament with that incredible final round. Um, and we actually kind of have like two title defenses going on. Uh, Subasa Karijana couldn't, Kajitana could not defend her title in 2022 uh, because of a family matter. She is back in the field. Uh, another teenager, uh, two of the three champions have been teenagers. Um, I believe, I don't know. Cupcho was probably in her twenties when she won the inaugural. But like I, now that I say that, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure. I'm just gonna go with my gut there because I second guess myself too much. Um. And the last name that I really wanted to mention and kind of hammer on, um, if you want a name to watch as like we talked extensively about Rojong and how good she's been, how good she's been for an incredibly long amount of time. Uh, she finished T three at Augusta before she started at Stanford, I believe um but if you want to watch like the next like for like the next like young phenom in women's like women's golf and women's amateur golf uh gianna clemente is the number one junior in the world she's 15 years old i stole dj's point again fuck it this is why i go first um uh Won the Sally earlier this year. Uh, shout out to Jordan Perez, a good friend of mine, reporter with amateur golf, does a lot of incredible, incredible work if you want to follow more college golf. Um, she's forgotten more about collegiate golf and junior golf than I'm ever going to know. Uh, so big shout out to Jordan, but she's tweeted a lot about Jana Clemente this year. Uh, won the Sally, which includes past champions like Justin Corda, Lexi Thompson, Brooke Henderson, a uh, big, big attributor of like future LPGA success. Uh, she finished runner up at the U- U.S. Girls Junior last year, and then Monday qualified for three consecutive LPGA Tour events at 14 years old.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- there's so many names you hit on all of them. Um, I mean, I think Rojong has to be like that's who's it, it, that's the favorite to win this tournament. Yeah, I mean,
1: she's yep. playing unreal right now. Has and been playing un- unreal for a long time has done this whole thing with the target on her back. Like she was the preeminent player in women's collegiate golf last year, won four tournaments, um, including the NCAA. Like she was the most hyped like collegiate golf prospect. God, I I, I don't want to say of my lifetime because it feels like a hard thing to measure because I wasn't super in tune with it when I was like 12 or 13. But like of my memory was the most hyped collegiate women's golf prospect. Won four tournaments, including the NCAA championships, as a freshman to like fully encapsulate that, and then comes out sophomore year with a bigger target on her back and wins five in her first six. I'm this sorry, I stole, absurd. I stole your floor. Keep going.
0: No, it, it's absurd. I mean, she has to be the favorite. Um, Anna Davis, you mentioned her. Ingrid Lindblad. It, it's a bunch of names that that we've heard. At at the women's amateur for the past couple of years. It's gonna be another fun tournament. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Championship yeah. treat, beautiful golf course. I mean yes. all rounds are televised this year, which is amazing. It's the first time ever.
1: So Yeah, that that was gonna be my next point. It's like we finally get to see how great of a course that is, because we get to see Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. And that that, i'm really i'm glad this tournament has been as much of a success as it has been i think it's in the perfect spot on the calendar um i think it's beyond due that women have a tournament at augusta national um i know with the masters there and how tight their brand is hoping for a professional tournament is probably a pipe dream um but an amateur tournament is a incredible place to start. And I think it's an incredible opportunity and I'm glad it's been as much of a success as I kind of hoped it could be, uh, when the event first started, but, um, DJ, it seems like we're on the same page about a lot of the players. Um, but you know what else this, uh, this final round is going to be on Saturday. It's going to be a first look at some of the tweaks to Augusta. Yes. And they're not going to be playing the tees The men are playing from, um, Gotta hate the way I phrase it. They're not gonna be playing the tees that the Masters are playing in a week. Uh, not gonna be playing the same tees. But so we're not gonna see like the full brute length of 13 now that it's like 50 yards longer. But we do get our first look at the most prestigious course on the planet. So to ask you, DJ, uh, and you, when you get your first glimpse at Augusta National and watch the coverage on Saturday, what's gonna be the one thing about the course that you are looking for?
0: I mean that course is is a lot longer now i think it's top it'll be top five uh or i guess out of the the normal ones on tour that are on tour every year it'll be the fourth longest now third or fourth longest on tour uh 13's playing five hundred and forty-five yards now. Um, yeah, I mean it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, they're trying to, you know, keep they don't want the scoring to get so out of hand that it kind of takes away from how special Augusta National is, I guess. But yeah, I'm excited. That that course is super, super long now. But um, yeah, I mean yeah. They they lengthened 15 by 20 yards last year and there there were uh no Eagles on that hole during the tournament, which is just
1: absurd. But yeah,
0: I mean Ryan, what are you looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I mean similar things. Um I'm curious to see if there's anything that they do uh or they did like little silent tweaks. They make little silent tweaks every year. I'm curious to see if there are any little silent tweaks they made over the last like six holes. Because I think that one of the things that really stuck out to me from Scotty winning the way he did was Scotty was dominant for sure. And this probably plays into a little bit of this. And I don't want to take too much away from the fact that Scotty just played pretty much perfect golf. But at the same point, those closing holes at Augusta, if you are playing them correctly, don't. Like if a guy is leading by two or three, they don't offer the same excitement factor as when it's like a tight tournament. And I think the tournament, the finish at Augusta is built perfectly for competition coming down the stretch because it's saying it's a great balance of risk reward. Um, There are ways to make birdies on almost every hole coming in. There are ways to make bogeys on a lot of those holes. Um, but I think when a guy is playing as well as Scotty, the trouble is so obvious, and it felt like he was just kind of on cruise control. It feels a little, it feels a little wrong to say that. I not to rub salt in the wound. Uh, we did see a bit of a lead choked away last year at the women's national at the women's amateur. Uh, Latana Stone had a multi-stroke lead in the back nine and bled it away to Anna Davis uh, for a multitude of reasons and a multitude of shots that were hit. Um, but. So maybe I'm talking about both sides of my mouth. Like maybe it was just about how well Scotty played. Um, but it felt like he was on cruise control and the last couple holes allowed him to be so more than I really anticipated that they would. So I'm curious to see if they've tweaked anything about the closing stretch. But I also think it's like so iconic. Like The only hole I'd be looking at is like 17. And I still don't think they'd do anything to it. Yeah. Um, So probably talking about both sides of my mouth a little bit here. And the takeaway is probably less that the course is too easy. It doesn't have enough trouble and more so that Scotty Scheffler is just incredible at golf. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see the changes that we do know about, but yeah, there's going to be changes that we don't know about. It's just a matter of where they are.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Closing notes. On the Augusta National Women's Amateur, Um, Augusta, Masters preview, anything you're feeling going up into the week?
0: I'll save the Masters preview stuff for next week. We're going to have a
1: very fair, pretty big episode. We are. I'm excited. I'm so excited for it. I can't wait. Do you want to talk a little Valero before we get out of here, too? Let's do it. I, right. already, I already know who I'm
0: picking to win the Valero, so. You're picking Ricky, aren't I, you? I'm just going to wheel it into existence. Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler's winning the Valero, and he's playing at the Masters this year. You know what? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Deej. He's, he has the third best odds. He's winning the, he's winning the Texas Valero Open this week.
1: I'm going to go with a similar guy. Um, I think he's playing a little more solid golf all things considered, not over the course of the year, but over the last, like, two weeks, three weeks. And he is also in a similar position of loving Augusta National wanting to get back there and needing a win to do it. I think Matt Kuchar has, like, a one-week renaissance. I think he showed me enough at the match play. He kind of ran into a bit of a buzzsaw with how good the guys were later on. Um, but looking at the way he's been playing recently... Um, Ah-ha, uh-huh. He missed the cut of TPC in the Honda, dummy. Uh, a lot of feast or famine. T nine, and uh, he has an eighth and a T nine, and two missed cuts in his last four starts. So, you know, narratives can be whatever I want them to be, DJ. And uh, I look, gonna... he
0: he almost pulled it off last year at Valero.
1: That is true. He did play very well at Valero last year, um, finishing T two uh, behind. An absolute maniac in Jordan Spieth. Or no, JJ Spawn. I'm thinking two years ahead. Uh finish behind JJ Spawn, uh who kind of gave him the stiff arm all day. Uh a little bit of a fluky putting week. I'm gonna hope that uh doesn't, doesn't happen again. But I think I don't know. I, I get the feeling that's gonna be someone that we really want to get into Augusta. I tend to root for this every year a little bit. I like seeing these storylines. Um so Yeah, I – the field, unfortunately, does not have a whole lot of guys that I'm really keeping my eyes on. I mean, Tyrell Hatton is here uh, in the field. Uh, I'm interested to see how he looks after the hand injury early in the week at the match play. Um, I think that's really – that and Hideki. Like, he and Hideki, health-wise, are the main two people that I'm like, okay, show me that you're okay, and it'll change how I feel going into the Masters about you. Everybody else Mm -hmm. is – fighting for that master spot a little bit or fighting to show a little bit of form. Um, so I'm always, I'm always going to try and root for the idea that someone gets into Augusta, uh, especially we're sitting at 89 people in the field right now. So an even 90 would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously I hope Ricky wins. Of course. Want back naturally. Wanted back at the national. It's been too long. Um, I don't really know. I don't really have much on the, tournament. Another guy I wouldn't uh, mind winning the tournament, Taylor Montgomery. Needs a win to get to the
1: Masters. Um, Also probably should be a PGA Tour winner. Like soon. Maybe not now, but like soon. Yeah. Davis Thompson's another one of those
0: guys I wouldn't mind winning. Obviously not for our fantasy team purposes because he just happened to be on Ryan's fantasy team. But (laughs) I wouldn't mind seeing Davis Thompson in the Masters.
1: Yeah. Akshay but, Batia? Akshay. Oh, that's that's the uh, – outside of Ricky, Akshay is the ideal golf Twitter result of, like, winning – a guy who could win to get into Augusta.
0: He is plus 10,000,
1: so the odds are not in our favor. But you know what? The odds are ever in our favor, DJ. So uh,
0: – Look, all I know includes conclusion, Ricky Fowler's winning – He's going to the Masters. By a lot. He's getting, he's getting a top edge. By team. a lot.
1: We're getting we're getting early results from Malin strokes, and Ricky's already leading. We are. So yeah, I, I dig it. Um I don't know. I'm more I'm curious to see how this tournament plays. I think this tournament is really dependent on a wind, which I think is really cool. I think it's very this makes sense in my head. It's a very Texas setup, it's very flat. Uh, very open very wind dependent um so I'm curious to see how people play uh but I am even more curious to see how the Augusta National Women's amateur goes so DJ I feel like it's been a pretty good pot been pretty productive I feel like we talked about a lot of things that we're just gonna end up reiterating next week but yes we're close we are I can't wait we are uh any closing notes for the people before we leave
0: don't think so. Just pull for Ricky this week. We need all the help we
1: can get. Solid. No notes. No notes on that closing remark. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. Um, Thank you for listening so far to the podcast, if you have done so, and uh, I hope you get to enjoy a week of whatever you're doing, watching golf, not watching golf. Um, watching the you- win a national championship. Exactly. Yeah, as DJ and I will be on Monday night. Um yeah, I hope you're enjoying whatever you're doing and thank you for listening choosing to spend a little bit of that time listening to our podcast and uh we will see you next week with our mega Masters preview episode thank y'all for listening See ya